Hello, folks. This is your host, Ellie Tascari, welcoming you to Faith Uncensored. Today, you will hear stories of real people who step by faith into the footprints of Jesus. Enjoy the show. Hello, hello, folks, and welcome to another episode of Faith Uncensored. Here with you, your host, Ellie Tescari. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Deborah Brown. Hello, Deborah. Hello, hello, Ellie. We are happy to have you. Very honored. Uh, guys, I have to say, Deborah Brown is a missionary. She's a filmmaker. And guess her country, her field, that she decided to be on a mission for the Lord is Italy, my country. But before I introduce you to her, just want to remind you to subscribe to our channel, like our episodes. We are also on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us there. We're going to be on a podcast on Apple, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, but everywhere. And from, from this month, we're going to be also on um, heartstonenetwork.com. So follow us, like us, and share us with your friends. So let's go back to my favorite guest here, Deborah Brown, missionary in Italy. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Benvenuti. Benvenuti. <laughs> That's welcome in Italian. So, Deborah, how come that a filmmaker is not in Hollywood but decides to go on a mission, in, in a mission, to be a missionary for the Lord as a filmmaker in Italy? My time, I, I visited Italy for the first time uh, back in 1975, and I hated it. Uh, okay. I, I, <laughs> from the second I landed at the Rome airport, uh, I wasn't feeling well, and I didn't like uh, the pronto socorso, the emergency guys. I just didn't like Italy at all, and it was not a place I wanted to even return to. But, I, I, uh, I understand. <laughs> but um, in the, the late... Uh, 1990s, my home church, uh, Montevilla, is the name of the church in Portland, Oregon, uh, we all began studying uh, this book called Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby, a Canadian pastor, and he wrote this study. And it, it wasn't to introduce you to God, it was to understand what it is to have a daily walk with God. And I had been a believer since I was 17 years old. But it just changed our lives. And our one little church there in Portland, Oregon, uh, participated with a missionary from Casoria, uh, which is in the, the periferia, in the, the outskirts of Napoli. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, with, he was hosting a, a, a let's call it a 40-day and 40-night outreach to plant a, a new church. They already had one church in Casoria, and they were planning a second church, which today is in Melito, just down the road from Casoria. And they did 40 days and 40 nights of evangelism. Our one little church sent over 50 people to Italy for this six-week-long campaign. Mm -hmm. As a Wow, 50 people, a, five zero. Five zero. That's a lot for wow. one little church to send things out. It was yes, probably it a third of our membership all went. Uh, and <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, like so many Americans, thought, okay, Italy, everybody's a Catholic, so that's all it is. So what are, what are we doing? I didn't understand uh, the low percentage mm -hmm. of Italians, even that, that uh, have grown up in a Catholic family, 
how much, uh, how few there actually are that are even faithful Catholics. Uh, my, uh, the, the percentages then for, for Protestants or evangelicals, if we just do globally Protestants, less than four-tenths of one percent. But I didn't realize that. Yes. So I went with a crew, and out of curiosity, I set a camera over with the first crew that went, uh, and I went for the last two weeks of the six weeks crusade with a big camera. But I had people filming every every day, going whatever it was they were doing. They were doing little concerts in the street, or they had clowns and all sorts of handing out flyers and the things that they did. But for me, Italy was this big. I looked through my viewfinder. I made sure that everything was leveled out. I had uh, the Italian word l'inquadratura. I made sure that the, the, that the framing was correct. Um, Hmm. So the image looked good, but for me, I just saw it happening. I filmed it, but it didn't change me at all till I came back to the United States, having experienced been, being there and seeing how hard it is to reach out to people in the Naples area, especially it's, it's a lot of tall buildings, low-income people. Uh, when we're talking the 1990s, even back then, the Internet was free in Italy. Uh, it was dial-up modem, so you had to pay for the phone call, but the internet was free. Yes. And uh, if you saw an apartment building that had 100 apartments in it, there would be 100 TV antennas on the roof. I saw that you couldn't go knock on somebody's door to share Christ because there's the portenaio, there's the doorman. If you don't know him, you yeah. can't even put a flyer in people's mailbox. How do you reach him? We did on the street. But uh, in editing the film, mm. that's where God opened my eyes and said to me, look at that. We couldn't get in the doors, but you can get in by internet. You can get in by television oh. and reach into people's homes. And it's not just into their home. You get into their lives, into their intimate chamber, into the, their living room, into wherever it is they're watching things on their phone, uh, uh, on their computers. It's a way to really reach people and to to design a, a type of media that's intimate for that, not a big spectacular with with uh, bands and dancing girls and and ponies and all those kinds of things, but to to do communication one on one. And it was at that point that uh, God called me to leave my six figure job in Portland, Oregon, to sell everything. And to move to Italy to do media full time, to sh show my little uh, tagline is to train and equip capable, faithful believers in the use of media tools in sharing their faith in Jesus Christ. And I've done that now since uh, 1998. Well, let me say something, Deborah. Thank you so much. Thank you for coming to our country. We are also children of this movement that she started because my husband, Martino, was one of your students many, many years ago. And uh, maybe when we got married in 2007, and I believe 2007 or 2008 is when we met you, and he met you, because I, I tagged along, because uh, she were, Deborah was shooting a movie, and she needed some drunk, some people acting like drunks, and we looked like we were the right people. And but before that, Martino studied with Deborah because she was actually giving classes, classes. I'm sorry, uh, on filmmaking 
And, um, and Martino took part of this, and uh, it was his idea, say, to get in touch with Deborah Brown again recently, because he said, I remember she taught me this. Oh, she taught me to put the lights like this. Oh, Deborah Brown did this and that. So we are also children of what she started. And also I want to say thank you for being faithful to the call of God, because uh, Italy now is not like that anymore, thank God. There are more people are born again, still is a very strong Catholic country, but things are changing. And, and because of the missionaries that, especially from the United States, decided to go and evangelize this country that is, was so hard. Like she's saying, you know, it was hard to access to people's life. They were so sealed. And like you say, there was a portinaio, is the, the, the guard. I don't know how is it, is it called in English. Uh, What's the Portinaio? The doorman. The doorman. The doorman. Yeah. So you couldn't get through. We used to live all in these big condos, and there was always a doorman, like the ones you see in the movies, but it was very common to have a doorman that managed the, the mail, washing, uh, taking care of the cleanliness of the condo and everything, you know. So thank you so much for doing that. We are forever grateful, and the Lord has a crown for you for that. I know he does. <laughs> I followed the lead of so many visionary missionaries. Uh, the, the fellow who invited us all over from my Portland church just retired about one week ago. His name is Doug Valenzuela. He's just put in 40 years and has helped plant what are, are two thriving churches uh, in that area. And they tried everything in the world to how to reach people. Uh, in the we, area, you mean the Naples area? In, in, in the Naples area. So yeah. I began there, uh, with, and I spent almost three years uh, with them there. Uh, we did films. Uh, one year we, we uh, took over the soccer stadium in the town of Casavatore, and we uh -huh. brought in a bunch of Christian soccer players who all the Italians knew who they were, professionals who were retired, uh, Alimal, Vidigal, all these guys. And then they would, every night they would play a different local team. So people from all mm. the different towns would come see these professionals oh, really? play their local boys. Uh, we did a thing called Festival uh, in the Villa Comunale in the city park of, of uh, Arzano and had all sorts of booths, uh, music. Americans came over to do things. But... Uh, there's a American humorist that uses the uses the term "get the hay down where the goats can get it." Uh, mm -hmm. We made a, uh, my first dramatic film I made in Italy was made at this festival in in Arzano. Uh, we uh, it was a ten day event, and the first day we cast people to make a movie, and everybody mm -hmm. wanted to be in a movie. They send their so it's a movie in, in Italian, a Christian movie in, in, as, in Italian. Well, Okay. They they didn't know what it was, but they all wanted to be in a movie. Of course, every Itali yeah. Every Italian is an actor. They just it's just, yeah. just in the blood. Yes, uh, they yes. All, they all I agree. I agree. <laughs> so uh, we cast this and we filmed it over five and a half, almost six days. Uh, then I edited it, and the second to last day of this ten day crusade, we showed it in the Villa Comunale. This dramatic film. Um, and the kids who were in it hadn't seen every scene. They'd only seen the scenes that they were in. Uh -huh. And and because these kids had been in it, they all invited their families, grandma, grandpa, uncle, aunts, cousins, everybody to come see this film they were in. So we had 
thousand people came to see the premiere and the one and only public showing of this film called New Life for Roberto, Nuova Vita per Roberto. Uh, uh-huh. the, the two young what did, men what that was were it about? in it. Uh, it was about, you thought it was about a, a young boy who kind of has trouble and hangs out with the wrong people on the street. But the story actually was game, uh, aimed at the parents. Uh, his father, who didn't want his son hanging around with the wrong people, and he didn't know about who these evangelicals were, or where, where are you going to? I don't want my kid going to that kind of a place. Uh, the film is available to see online, even with, mm. with English subtitles. Uh, uh-huh. And the, the, the final scene of the film puts the family, it, who are in the story, sitting in the seats at the Villa Comunale, at the city park, of Arzano. So the people who are watching it are seeing somebody sitting in the very seat that they're sitting in and a man voicing mm-hmm. the same objections that they would have to listening to a, 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 an evangelical gospel message. And so they have no excuse. Uh, they, they've oh, heard wow. the, the objection and the, they've heard it responded. And there were whole families that came to Christ that night. So we made it, we showed it, all those 5,000 people saw it. Then we offered a free copy of the film. This was back in the VHS tape days. The family, all they had to do was stop by the church in Arzano to pick it up. Uh, They didn't have to go to a church service, just come by the church. So then they saw where the church was located. Then they show this film. Here's the film that our grandson, granddaughter, cousin, brother, Uh sister, or whatever is in. They would show that at home, so it multiplied the evangelism because everybody wanted to see the kid. So everybody got to see the film again and again and again. And Talking about though. strategy. Yeah. And the, the, the two young boys who are the main characters uh, in it, uh, one of them, uh, Giuseppe, uh, is now a pastor in Cesena. And the other young man who, who was in it, uh, he, he is now a uh, a pretty much full-time Christian singer, uh, which is mm. in- incredible. Uh, so it it not only planted seeds in, in the in the hearts of those who saw it, but it planted vision in the hearts of those who participated. So that was my beginning on on how to use media in Italy. We didn't make it to go onto a big screen. We didn't make it to make money. No one made money. I paid for everything out of our mission support. But it touched thousands wow. of lives, and it's still out there today. The the singer Luca Borelli wow. is his name. He he and Giuseppe who were. Is the pastor? They both attended uh, eBay Istituto Biblico, the the Bible school outside of the Rome area. So they both Bible college schooled, and and each has a, a unique ministry. And it's really cool wow. to be part of that. That's what I try to do: plant the seed. It's not my job to do it all. I'm here to train and equip, and then let the Italians do the do the legwork. Wow, this is amazing, amazing. I never heard a story like this. So much strategy. And then uh, we criticize filmmaker, they make all bad stuff. But here, guys, I, I mean, this is unheard. I've never heard this. And uh, how you, you, you casted the locals. So the locals and the family came to see the movie. And then they show it to the aunt, the grandma, they couldn't come. And 
and the old extended family, look at my son, Gigino, look at my, yeah, 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 I can't imagine, I just imagine how this rolled out. I just can't, Im I imagine it. And uh, wow, amazing. So a lot of people were touched by this message and they were kind of put it on the spot. Like, you're going, I don't want you to go and hang out with this evangelical. Yeah, because this is what we heard our whole life. You know, I was born and raised there. So I know that people wouldn't, they weren't really happy when I would invite their, their daughters, their sons to church, to go to church with me. You know, I know when I was a teenager or a kid, but, and I heard this, so, but you kind of corrected that. Fantastic, fantastic. It's, wow, it's, wow. It's, again, oh. as I said, the strategy, you think, as you're watching the film, you think it's about the little kid, but there's several key scenes with the parents. Uh, uh, one mm. where the, the, the father says, first he says, I don't want him to go to this place. I don't know who these people are. But we establish in the film that they have great respect for their family doctor. The father is a mechanic and he comes across the family doctor who's having car troubles. And he fixes mm -hmm. the family doctor's car. And it turns out that that family doctor is a Sunday school teacher at this church. So now he wow. has to this juxtapose. I don't trust people, but I have great respect for this man. And mm -hmm. in the end, the final mm -hmm. questions are the, the, the young man and his mother say, I, I, I see something different in, in Jesus now. I understand things completely different. And they turn to the father and say, hey, too, Papa, and you, Daddy, what do you think? And it just ends. The film ends with, and you, question mark. I don't tell you <laughs> wow. what to believe. Wow. I just propose things. Wow. And... I have this saying, I'm known for my Deborahisms, uh, the little things I say. One, one is called... <laughs> a new philosophy. Uh, too many people are in the Holy Spirit business. The role of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. in the life of the unbeliever is to convince man of his need for Christ, convince man of his sin. My job is to proclaim the gospel. If I, I can't mm -hmm. convince man of sin, if I, if I try to do that, then I'm trying to be persuasive. And I end up with people, perhaps false converts, people that, that, that come up with an idea, ah, that sounds good, and their mind is convinced, but their heart is, and their soul are not eternally changed. But if I can present mm -hmm. the message in such a way that says, and you, Daddy, what do you think? And end the film mm -hmm. just there, it, it, it just, it worked. Uh, that's a strategy I learned way back in graduate school at Wheaton, uh, way back in, in college years. I started in Laternal College in Longview, Texas, uh, Texas, Northeast Texas, good old Texas. Where you been, uh, Full circle today with yes, Texas. Yes, <laughs> but uh, it's, it's to be as Jesus said, to be as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. I, I proclaim mm -hmm. the truth, and I teach Italians how to use the truth, but to do it wisely. I don't want to come and preach at you, because when I'm doing that in media, I'm sorry. People who are watching my things are watching it on a phone, or watching it on a computer, or an iPad, maybe on a TV uh, with an internet channel. But this is an intimate communication. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we came up with... Uh, in the, the late 90s, a website that ran for many years called Radio X, X-Ray. The truth is inside. You can't fool an X-Ray. It sees what's in there. Yes. And uh, mm -hmm. in the late 90s, 
Now, it's hard for young people like you to imagine this, but there was a time when there was no YouTube. There was a time when there wasn't video games uh, on the internet. There, there wasn't, I mean, there was a, maybe a Nintendo at home, but it's nothing like you want. And we came up with this website uh, called Radio X, and we had, on that website, we had video games, we had uh, short videos, entertainment things, we uh, had uh, little mini sermons, uh, three to five minutes, but with a topic, my parents don't understand me. I'm dealing with loneliness. I'm dealing with mm-hmm. depression. Uh, people just don't, I can't find a job. All these many things that kids, that's who goes on the internet in the late 1990s. It was only them. The parents would never go there. And we had over, we so, created so this website. You had video, video games? games? For free. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, huh. and created all these things. I did this website and I worked with a guy named Pasquale Pomelo, um, who now has an advertising agency, my first student. But we, we worked with this and we had 7 million visitors our first year. 7 million. Wow. And back in that day, we could tell the IP address where everything was coming from, from our, our web server. So we could uh-huh. see this is where regions are. Uh, these these little videos, you know, my parents don't understand me. It wasn't somebody acting it out saying, my parents don't understand me. It was this wonderful missionary, Doug Valenzuela, would address these things and give a little bit of a hint for find hope. And our email, just if you want help, contact us here. And they, everybody who had their questions answered personally. Our email back then was called Dimi. At Harajuix, Dimi, which means tell me, talk to me, talk to me. So, uh, and oh yes, we we had just so many people, and uh, we honestly because we were from at that point one church in Casoria, and to have all these people coming in, um, I became part of an uh, an association called Italian Ministries, which is a coalition of pastors, missionaries. Christian publishing companies, all sorts of things all throughout Italy. Um, and I was able to share these contacts with people who are pastors in the towns where, the, you know, if someone wrote me from Palermo, I'm not going to drive all the way down to Palermo in Sicily to, to minister to somebody. They need to have a hands-on person. So uh, it really helped uh, grow relationships with other members of Italian Ministries, uh, an organization I'm part of to this very day. Okay, so so just to use the word circle back, so we're going to be 75, you, you visit Italy for the first time. You didn't like it, yes. but you, went, you were part of this crusade or evangelistic event, and you went towards the last moment of, but you shoot something, and you put it together back in the States, right? And back you in fell, Portland, Oregon, yeah. Yes. And the Lord spoke to you, so you went back. When did you go back? 75, the first visit. So I, I was there in October of 98. Uh, that's, that's when I shot the film. My, my film, this documentary of this wacky group of, of, of Napoletanos uh, doing this but, evangelistic but what happened? Campaign. But what happened so, between 75 and 98? Did you, were you I, in the country or you did something uh, else? No, I was in the United States. I worked in Christian okay. television. Okay, uh, okay. I made Christian films. Uh, got married. 
You got married. Okay, okay. So yeah, That's yeah. I just wanted to know you weren't in Italy in those years. You went back no. later. No, I had I had no desire to go back to Italy whatsoever. And yes. now Italy is home. Uh, yes. I, I, so, I, so you, I, I, go I, ahead, I was, go ahead. I, I was... Uh, in 1982, I was widowed. Um, I had three little kids. My kids were five, four, and four weeks old. And uh, mm. I set aside some time. It just seemed the right thing to do uh, to, to raise my kids to know the Lord, which I did. And they, they do. And mm-hmm. now it, it touches them to, to raise their kids to know Christ as their, their Savior. But during that mm-hmm. time, I, I worked in Christian television um, and I made several films uh, in the States, and it wasn't until 98 when I went back to Italy again and for that mm-hmm. campaign. Then in 90, from 99 on, in 99, I bought a ticket and I quit my job. Uh, I was managing a, a, a big retail store in Portland's busiest shopping mall, making six figures, and mm-hmm. I just walked away. Uh, it, Lord said, the money isn't the point of it. So, yes. And from that point on, I would have been connected with Italy. I've been there as much of the time as I could be. Uh, gotta, when you're a volunteer, you kind of got to raise money every once in a while. <laughs> yes, I, yes. I do the, I do like, uh, the apostle Paul, I do a lot of tent making. Mm-hmm. So, so you keep working, you keep your yes, I understand, I understand. So. Uh, Deborah, I have a question for you now. Okay. How was it to be a woman in Italy? Because Italy, women are not allowed to be maybe a little bit better today, but I bet in the 90s, hmm, must have been a little bit weird. How especially, especially in the South. Mm-hmm. I, I started in Napoli and... Uh, I never was in a leadership role. I never had the intention of being a leadership role. All I am is, I I call it being a teacher. Mm -hmm. Culturally, it was difficult, even with church leaders, because they're the ones, the men are the ones that are in charge. And church leaders have made me cry before several times. It just, they they do, but uh, it's, it's not like taking a step back to the 60s, 50s and 60s when I grew up. It's more like taking a step back to the 1920s in the United States. My goodness. Uh, it, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a challenge. But to be mm-hmm. able to collaborate with, with ministry partners, again, I'm going to uh, refer to Italian ministries. There are so many pastors that I work with. They know me. They know my heart. They know my expertise. And... Uh, if you have a professional crew come in and clean your church, you don't put them down. You thank them for doing yeah. that. Well, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm the janitor. I'm the video janitor. I'm cleaning up your video act. I'm helping you. I've helped so many churches through the years get started in live streaming. Uh, and I'm not, not the one in, the, in front of the camera. I'm not the one who tells the message. But I help them understand how to communicate using video. And many, many pastors have listened mm-hmm. and uh, are, are who knew that uh, we would have this global pandemic uh, starting last mm-hmm. year, starting in, the, in 2020. Yes. Where these churches that I had trained are panicking all of a sudden. This is the only way we have to reach our people. How are we going to do this? 
And right up to the last day I was in Italy, I was setting, setting up a church in Santa Maria di Sala. Okay, let me, let me uh, clarify this, yeah, for whoever is listening. Deborah now, she lives in Italy. And at this moment, as I'm interviewing her, she is actually in, here in Oregon, in the States. Right? Am I saying it right? But she's... Idaho. But Idaho. Idaho. I'm sorry, Idaho. That's why I was like... But, uh, she's, so, but she's been living in Italy for how many years now? 23. 23 years. So she speaks Italian, and uh, you guys heard her speak in Italian, which is a very difficult language to learn for an American or for an English-speaking person. And uh, she went exactly through the COVID pandemic, and she didn't live all the way through the, to see the end of it, but just tell us, so you were there when this happened, with the last year, right, in 2020? Yes, yes, And you were I living at north, in the nor northern Italy now. Northeast, where we were the, I was so close to the, the, the first red zone, where mm -hmm. they had army truckloads of, of caskets, coffins that they were hauling out. And I was staying in a 200-year-old farmhouse uh, by myself, and uh, you'd hear the ambulance go by so many times a day. And if the, if the siren wasn't on, you knew they were already dead. Oh, uh, wow. Uh, wow. Uh, it's, it, it, oh. I, I wasn't afraid of, of dying. That wasn't the point. I, I just I couldn't do what I had come to do. Uh, in the evening times, I, I don't know if I should admit this, uh, uh, we weren't allowed to go more than three kilometers from uh, your house uh, for getting groceries. You weren't allowed to travel. You could literally lie down in the middle of the superhighway, the autostrada, and mm -hmm. not be injured. It was com The country was completely shut down. And uh, I was helping a, a couple of churches, well, five really at the last minute, one in Rimini, one in Cesena, two in uh, the Mantova area, and one in, I mentioned this town called Santa Maria di Sala, which is half, well, about 20 miles, we'll say, outside of Venice, inland. Yeah, this is also where we used to, we used to live in Treviso, so I, we know this, all these you know towns that, that you're mentioning. We know them pretty so, well. Yes. So I got them up and running and uh, literally brought them things snuck in at night and drove back roads so I wouldn't get stopped by the police um, and get them set mm -hmm. up. And they are still streaming. That's one of the places I'm going to when I uh, return to Italy here uh, the end of August uh, to yes. update things. We learned early on that live streaming was a good thing. Uh, I, I, I know you were talking about the pandemic and... Uh, Everybody saw so much on the news. It seemed that Italy was every, what everybody talked about to begin with. Was how in the world did this country get this? How, yes. how is it falling apart? And I, I posted a film to watch every day for the, for the Italians, a Christian film that I had from my library um, that I own, and gave them that. And I gave encouragement to all the world to pray for Italy every day. And I, I quoted the statistics. It was... Uh, for those who are prone to fear, to worry, it was a fearsome time. For me, uh, the mm -hmm. only reason I left was, wasn't was because, oh, there's COVID around here. It's I left uh, because two things. The, the uh, U.S. State Department said 
we've chartered a plane. This is the last plane out. If you want to get out, you've got to be on this plane. It was a Boeing 777, and there were 23 American passengers on a Boeing 777, a 560-seat plane, and there were 23 of us on it. Yeah. Um, they offered the, the ticket for 200 bucks. I thought, well, that's a pretty good price, 200 bucks from mm-hmm. Rome to Seattle. So I came back to the States, but it wasn't evacuate to escape. It was to evacuate because I couldn't do anything. What I do is train people, and there was no gathering together. And it's only been in, in recent weeks that, that people have been able to really get together and do training. Uh, I would yes. I would be back there right now, uh, except uh, tomorrow. Uh, my son, who is a, a missionary in South America, is arriving here in Idaho. Uh, it's a rare thing to get to see him. This may be the last time in this life that I get to be with mm-hmm. his family face to face. So I'm sticking around till the end of summer. Italians don't like to take classes in summer, anyhow. They go to the mountains. Yes, they anyways. go to the beach. <laughs> so. Anyhow, that's, true. That, that's what COVID was something uh, where God had ordained. He had, he had set me there for so many years working with live streaming for a time such as that. I didn't know if I would ever mm-hmm. go back, uh, if that would ever be possible. We didn't know if this was a plague or, or just a, a pandemic. So, yeah, so you, you were Esther in a moment like this, really, really. Wow. wow. Who, who had known, you know, and I remember the first years of Internet. I heard Internet was of the devil. Internet was of the devil. <laughs> so <laughs> it's interesting how God, he really doesn't care what we think about these tools. They are just tools, neutral tools. It depends how you use them, right? Well, it, so, in, in those days, not... uh, about the time I, I first met your husband, a little bit before that, uh, I was introduced at a, there's this group called Creatio. Cre- it's the creative media people uh, and ministries in all of Italy. Another one of these consortiums, they're under Italian ministries. They're all part of that. But they had this little conference down in Rimini uh, for anybody who wanted to do uh media things, whether it was publishing or flannel graphs or all sorts. Of, that's about the, the, the state of the art back in, in 2002, mm. October 2002. And I went and I met these people from a dynamic visionary church in Milan. Um, and they asked me to come be part of their ministry. So I was four years training those people at that church. And we started our first live stream in January 2003, live streaming. And we had between mm, six wow. and 800 people logged on live every Sunday. They did their church service at 5.30 in the afternoon when most churches were had their services in the morning. Well, again, in that day, mm-hmm. we could tell the IP address uh, of every who was logged in by the way that we were streaming back then. And IP address zeroes you in within about 200 feet of where you are on the planet. And we would see these hmm. clusters of, of people in these little remote towns. I couldn't figure out why are all these people watching? And after I did some investigation off of the IP addresses, we figured out that these were priests and nuns in their little... Uh, cells at, in, in their little oh. cloistered spots uh, who had never heard the gospel before. 
they they wanted to wow. serve God, but they had never heard about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and they would watch faithfully every Sunday. Uh, we'd have so. <laughs> I mean, you're talking about Catholic nuns yes. and Catholic. That, that's who was watching. It may have begun as curiosity, but they became faithful listeners. They had never heard uh, an evangelical message or at least a Protestant message. And this church, is it okay if I say the name of the group? Oh, for, for us, yes, sure, it's sure. fine. Uh, uh, just a, a, an incredible church planted by a Brazilian missionary, uh, Rosal Rosalind. Oh, yes. Pastor Roslyn, uh, yes, this yes. ministry is called Ministero Sabot. Yes, yes, I, I know her ministry, yes, yes. And they have planted churches all over Italy. Some have popped up and grown, some have fizzled. It's just whether it's the right time or the right place. But uh, I spent, invested four years of my life with that church, and they stream to this day. Uh, but that was where we first started streaming in January 2003. Incredible. I'm so, I'm so, uh, um, again, I've never heard this about nuns and priests in, in clusters, right? Because they are isolated from the world, from everything when they live in these uh, environments, yes. right? They are, um, yeah, so, wow, wow. They f yeah, we amazing, couldn't figure out amazing. who these people were in Umbria or in these little towns uh, uh, in Tuscany or, or whatever. We looked up what where the IP address was and what is there? What kind of a place is there? Well, it's these people who have, they have a computer and the internet has always been free and are streaming. Uh, wow. Uh, we, uh, when I began doing this, uh, we became kind of a, 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 a favored child of uh, a commercial group out of uh, uh, Belgium. Uh, they they hmm. were a streaming server. There was no YouTube. There was barely Google at this time. There, in order to stream, you had to pay uh -huh. somebody. You couldn't just plug a camera into your computer and spit it out. It doesn't work mm -hmm. that way because everybody who logs in has to have their own signal. That's the way it works. So you have to have these supercomputers. Well, I was having difficulties getting the signal to go out, and I... I had met these guys uh, from this streaming service from Belgium at a, a media conference in Amsterdam. And I called them up and I said, can you help me with this? And they said, well, somebody's blocking you. How are they blocking you? Well, oh. the, the, our internet provider uh, back in the day uh, was putting a throttle, a choke. They would only let me, my upstream go so, so far. And they said, if you'll buy us airplane tickets, to Milan, we'll come and fix it for you. So I bought these two guys tickets. There's an airline called Ryanair. It costs $50 to fly each way. Yeah, I so know. So I, I, I bought them these $50 tickets, and they flew. The CEO and the head engineer of the streaming company, they do for the EU. They are the streaming company that hosts all the streams of the EU. They could, at that point, in 2003... They could handle seven, ter you, seven terabytes community. a second streaming. It was just incredible. They came, they fixed it, and they showed me. They, they were just so amazed at what this little lady from America was doing with this little tiny church at the time. Wow. We were 200-some people at, the, at that time in Milan. And they came, and they fixed it so we could mm. do it. And for years, we were able to stream. It cost me $100 a month to reach... 
six, seven hundred priests and nuns plus the other people for a hundred dollars wow. a month. That's a great investment. Wow. Wow. How much God can do when we say, yes, Lord, I, here I am, send me. How much God can do, how much can do, he can do. I mean, and uh, we, I, 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 this is the, 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 the purpose of this podcast is to tell you, those who are listening, you can do it too. You can do it too. There is a field that the Lord has called you that you are excellent in. You know, maybe you're not a filmmaker, maybe you're not an evangelist, but there is a field that the Lord has called you to be in, and you are excellent in that field because God has created you, has wired you to, to be functional, to function in that way, in that field. And if you go and you say, Lord, here I am, send me, these things are going to be your testimony too. I promise you. I promise you. You, you have to it's open a- your eyes. And uh, uh, It's, I mean, you talk, uh, your, your, your podcast being uncensored, but you have to also be unafraid. Uh, in yes. in uh, the church that I attended here this morning, uh, we were talking about the Holy Spirit in people's lives. And to listen, to pay attention to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is with us, but... So is my neighbor's dog. And if I don't want to listen to that dog barking all night, then that's the only thing I'll hear. If I want to listen to the Holy Spirit, then God is going to reveal things to me. All you have to mm-hmm. do. When I left for Italy full time, I was 45 years old. Mm-hmm. What does a 45-year-old single woman do in a country where... I don't like women. I, I, well, they, they like them if, they're, if they have a certain yeah. look. I didn't have that certain yeah. look. Uh, but I, I, you know, yeah. I, I tried to do what I can do, but mm-hmm. I, I said, I will go. I, I will go. And I didn't speak Italian outside of the menu. Uh, uh, when when mm-hmm. I got the confirmation that, yes, I could come to Italy, um, I'll tell you two miracles here. Uh, I lived in Portland, Oregon, and I didn't speak Italian. I figured, how do I get immersion? Uh, from the time that I was commissioned by uh, my church to go as a missionary till I hit the ground in Italy. Generally, people go around for three or four years raising funds to, to be able to support what you do. Well, I'd had a six-figure job. I sold everything I owned. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was 90 days from when I was commissioned till I hit the ground in Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to the local community college, and I took five different Italian language courses all at the same time. The tourist Italian, the basic one, ciao, pizza, macaroni, those kinds of things. So you could learn the, the menu. And all the way up to the fifth year level, and I could give a blank stare at five different levels of Italian. But I studied, and I studied, and I studied. Then I hit the ground in Italy. My colleague who invited me to come said, I'm heading to America for the summer. Have fun. And I took... Oh. I, I took Italian classes in, in Naples, and I would walk to these classes in downtown Naples every day. Let's, let's call this humorous. Um, walking to class one day near the middle of August, and Ellie, you know what mm. Ferragosto is. It, Italy shuts down. Yes, yes, so does. I was walking to the class, Italy, yeah. and I got my first text message ever on my cell phone. And I'm looking at the cell phone, reading the message. A guy grabs my phone out of my out of my hand and runs. Oh. Well, I 
the, the son of my missionary colleague had taught me the two most important words when walking down the street in Naples. Basta ladro. Stop thief. Uh, <laughs> stop thief. Yeah. So I chased this guy. I didn't know any better. I chased the guy. Uh, after about 100 yards, somebody stuck their foot out and the fellow went down to the ground, but it didn't fall down hard. And I knew there was no such thing as a thief. There was bands of thieves in Naples. So this was probably yes. his colleague. So this other guy says, Senora, lady, you wait here. I'll get your phone back for you. And I said, no. Oh. Uh, I put my foot on the guy's arm, grabbed my phone back, and the guy ran away. Wow. All these Napolitani wow. people looked at me and they said, oh, senora, they offered me water. Here, have some water. Mm. Yes. And, and they just couldn't believe this crazy lady was chasing the, the no. thieves. The next day wow. at the same corner. Now, imagine the camera is your face. This guy recognized me. The thief was there because that's where he worked. That was his corner. And he went like this. Ciao. Right into oh, my face. <laughs> so that, now you're that ended my, my Italian language classes. I did no more. Uh, everything else I, I learned by practical experience. Uh, I, I, again, wow. to become involved. If My point is to not be afraid. If God says, why don't you do this? I've equipped you for it. You know, he'll speak to you in a still small voice. He spoke to me as I edited a video that I had made myself looking through the viewfinder. But as I saw it, I saw all these TV antennas on the houses and the truth of those things God used to speak to my heart. And I came. I, I left everything. I left a career. I could have been rich. Instead, I'm a poor little missionary lady. But uh, what... What yeah. God did to provide, uh, I, I, w I wanted to tell you this other miracle. I said I was going to give you two. The one I got my phone back. Uh, the, the other is how do you get how do you get equipment, video, especially when we're talking twenty five years ago, a, a digital video camera back then. The cheapest ones, home videos like a Canon XL one, was twenty five hundred dollars, and that was for a home digital video camera. How do you get how do you get that kind of money? Uh, I had just quit my job uh, at the managing the store in the big shopping mall, and I looked in a newspaper, uh, and I saw an eight millimeter video camera for sale for twelve hundred dollars. Well, who's going to buy an eight millimeter video mm. camera for twelve hundred dollars? Me, because I knew what it was. It wasn't a little video camera. Yeah, I don't know what it was. It was, I don't a, know what it it was. a professional one that sits on your shoulder, and this guy had a video co production company. And he'd gone out of business and didn't pay the storage unit where he kept everything. This was before there were TV shows like Storage Wars where people see you go buy uh, storage <laughs> units. <laughs> yes. So I went down to the yeah. storage unit place and I spent all the money I had in the world, which was $2,170. I told the guy, I will give you $2,170 for everything in this storage unit. It took a couple wow. of weeks and he talked with his lawyer. And again, no people weren't buying uh, unclaimed yeah, things too back big, then. Too big. But he sold it to me. And then I started selling things on eBay. I kept everything, audio lights, the, everything except for the cameras because TV in, in America is not the same system as they had in Europe. So I, I sold those off. I grossed $60,000 sales 
of the equipment out of this $2,170 I invested. I had then all the, the tripods, the wireless microphones, the lights, all the support gear that, that I would need. All I needed was two cameras. Well, my two cameras that I bought when I got to Italy, bought Italian video systems, they were $12,000 of the $60,000 that I made. So God provided. I didn't have anything, but uh, I'm literally a widow. But the widow's little mite, I put everything I had in the pot, every penny I yeah. had. And God provided. I was able to ship this this container. It was eight feet long and four feet tall, four feet across. The elders from the church made this big thing. We shipped all this equipment to Italy. And I'd, I still had cash in my pocket. God provided it. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You are like the widow, literally the widow, widow with a little oil. That's all I have. The $2,570. We just keep pouring, keep pouring. Bring me, bring me more things to put it in. Bring me more things to put it in. And I, it's not me. God has done this. Uh, and shame on you if you try to take credit for these things yourself. Because God will, will cut it off. The, the oil will stop flowing. But, but yeah. you have to listen to his voice when he says, do this. You need to do it. And uh, I, I have been gone, gone now 23 years in Italy. Uh, when I left, my firstborn grandson was four months old. Uh, and he was my only grandson. Now I have 11 grandchildren. And I've been gone their entire lives. I wish I could have been involved in those lives. But I raised my kids right. And whatever the Lord has allowed them to come through... Uh, that is their challenge to, to prove their faith. Um, yes. And mm-hmm. for me, the things that, that I've experienced in Italy, uh, no, nobody would want to sign up for those things. Uh, no. But, <laughs> but if you're faithful, God's going to mm-hmm. do it. He's going to do great things mm-hmm. through you to use you. Amazing. But there's, but there Amazing. is, uh, as I say, my other Deborah-isms, there's no trailer hitch on a hearse. There's no pockets in a casket. You can't take it with you. But if yeah. God and his angels, if our heavenly father welcomes you and says, well done, then you did good. And that's the whole point. Yes. If I can train and equip other people, mm-hmm. I'm about to turn 70 next year. And I, I, I put these, what would have been my most productive financial years and made them into my most productive uh, investment in Christ's family in the church. And I have no doubt whatsoever that those people whose lives have been touched by my students' films, not just by things that I've done, but by the, the things that folks like you who are now going on, you've got this podcast, Inspired to Media, and are doing great things. All mm-hmm. these other people, hallelujah. It's amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm just along for the ride, and I'm, I'm, I'm just glad that, that you remember me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it sounds like you made an investment towards eternity. It's going to last forever. Well, we, we made a film in uh, 2005. Uh, 
called Five Minutes, Cinque Minuti. I, I have it here. I wrote, I wrote it down here. I wanted to ask you about this movie because it's beautiful. It's amazing. I saw it like three or four times, and I saw it today again. Yes. Well, we, we, we made it for a, a Christian film festival I knew nothing about called the 168 Project, uh, founded by a guy from Ohio named John Ware, who went out to California and, and came up with this idea, well, how do we get people motivated? The same kind of thing as what I do. He would, How would we get people motivated? And he challenged folks to take a verse of Scripture and to make an 11-minute film based on that verse of Scripture in 168 mm -hmm. hours, from the first check, first slate, to when it's turned in. Mm. So and that's a, a, a tight fit. And for the, we participated in 2005. It was the first time it was opened to foreign country people, but we still had the same 168 hours before it had to be in his hand. Well, there wasn't mm -hmm. fast enough Internet to upload it, so we had to FedEx it, which meant that we didn't have seven days and nights, 168 ah. hours. We had five days and nights to do it all. And we made this film... Uh, I was told about the event by a gal named Barbara Sanwa from Monza on the north side of, 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 of Milan. And she had participated in it one year, had literally flown to California to be in a 168 film. They had three or four Italians flew over to be in that. Well, she, she approached me and said, Deborah, I want to make a film with you. She had heard about me. So we made this film uh, written by... Uh, a fellow called Sergio Mascaroni, um, mm. uh, based on Hebrews 11.6, without faith it's impossible to please God. You must first believe that he exists and rewards those who diligently seek him. And Sergio wrote this film about a girl about to commit suicide, jump off a bridge uh, in the canals uh, of Milan, and a guy walks up and says, hey, Barbara, what are you doing? Who are you? I'm Jesus. What? Come down. Give me five minutes. Let's go for coffee. I'll pay. And she comes down and he demonstrates how he's been uh, available to her, how he's been involved in all of her life. Well, that film it received high accolades and it's it even in 2007 showed at the Cannes Film Festival. Incredible. It cost us eight, film festival. It cost us $80 to make the film. And it showed at the conference. $80. $80. It was five <laughs> blank tapes and two pizzas. That was my out of pocket. Wow. It has now been seen by nice. over 25 million people in 17 languages. The last language that I dubbed it into, I worked with some people from Calvary Chapel in Padova, and uh, we did it into Farsi for Iran. So we, wow. I, I mean, we have it in Oromal for Ethiopia and Somalia. It's in Russian, Hebrew. It's subtitled in Hebrew. Uh, it's just seen all we over saw, the world. I saw a subtitle. Yeah. So it has I saw that subtitle in English, but I will add the link of that five minutes because it's too good to be true. I mean, I love that. And it, it won the festival. Did that yeah, movie it won, won the best, festival? It won four awards it, uh, at, at the first festival, and then it won... Uh, a Best Film Award at uh, the Dama Film Festival, also in Hollywood, uh, one at the Sedmo uh, Film Festival. Everybody else who makes Christian films say, we have a budget above 300000 or below 300000 I'm there with my $80 film. <laughs> And we still win my. Best Film. So, uh, 
Uh, I don't make I don't make films for awards. It's it's it gives recognition to the to the people who have done it. I've made now seven films for that film festival out of Los Angeles with seven different groups of people. Uh, Barbara, who starred in that film, I made three films with her total. The last one was her last film. Uh, she passed away uh, seven years ago uh, from cystic fibrosis, waiting on a heart and lung transplant that never came. Uh, but her, the last mm. film we did with her is called Secondo Mano, Second Hand. Uh, it's, it's kind of a fantasy thing of her receiving a heart. And she got to very much like the first film I did in Italy, where somebody is explaining Christianity to somebody else. She played the uh, I don't get it advocate as she got to have a uh, hypothetical meeting with the person who was going to be her heart donor. We killed a guy in the first 50 seconds of the film who became her heart donor. And then they get to have this little ethereal in encounter. It's things that don't happen in real life. But in a film, you can make uh -huh. the story, and he gets to explain to her why he's donated his heart. And she said, what are you, I heard you gave it to somebody else this morning. Do you mean you give it to me secondhand? Because she had heard that he gave his heart to Christ. So, so we uh -huh. have all these things that Christians say that the world doesn't understand, our, our Christian lingo. Uh -huh. And she got to ask all these dumb mm -hmm. questions that we need to ask ourselves before we start making films and talking in churches. Um, and it churches, yeah, churchanese. And that film received special recognition. Um, I remember the the actor Stephen Baldwin was there for the premiere of it in in, in Hollywood. Wow! So pe people are noticing what my wow. Italian teams are doing. Wow! Amazing! Amazing! This is a wow! I'm wowed. Okay. <laughs> You're going to hear this word a lot in my podcasts. Wow. Wow. And I hope you guys listening to this and you also say, wow, this is amazing. And what, De what God has been doing through Deborah, he can do through you too. And uh, I, one of my um, mottos, you know, that, and I heard this from Dr. Stella Emanuel. She said, we need two things for the dry bones to arise. We need the work of the Holy Ghost and we need Ezekiel's to prophesy. So the Holy, we cannot be the Holy Ghost, like you said, but we can be the Ezekiel's to prophesy and declare life on the dry bones. Hallelujah. I made a film uh, about 10 years ago called Mi Senti, which means, are you listening to me? Mm -hmm. Do you hear me? Uh, mm -hmm. And it was based off of the first few verses of the book of 1 Samuel, when little Samuel heard the voice of God and he thought it was old Eli. I did it a juxtapose mm -hmm. where an old man heard the voice of God speaking to him, and he thought it was his grandson. It was uh, it set right after the Second World War. We filmed it in black and white in this town called Lanuvio, which is older than Rome. This town south of Rome, it's ancient, ancient town. And we were out in this countryside, and this man uh, played the part of a of a, sh a shepherd, but he kept hearing God talking to him. And so much to what you've just said, uh, what God tells this old man, and I wrote this film, God was speaking to me, no. you're not done. But it said, uh, the old man said, I don't go to church anymore. There's no point for me being there. And it was, how, how can the young man, 
how can they dream dreams without the visions of the old men? It takes both ends. And to be able to share this vision where there is no vision, the people perish. And if although I work in television or cinema, but it doesn't mean where there's no television and the people perish. I think where there is television, the people are perishing, quite frankly, after seeing what television has become. But it's yeah. so important that people, even of my generation, it's so hard to think that I'm a senior citizen. People hold the door for me. It's so hard uh, to think these things. It's happened so fast. I remember my mom saying when she was about my age that she didn't feel any different than she did when she was in college. But, but then try to get up off the floor yeah. from playing with the grandkids and you can't do it. Uh, God has a call yeah. for each of our lives. And until you're gone, until he's called your home, keep at it. Keep at it. We need to mm -hmm. dream the dreams, pass on the vision to become involved. I'm not here to be the one who does it. God's the one who accomplishes it. And it's going to be through the next generation and the next generation and the next generation should he tarry. But right now, it's get busy and do it, boys and girls. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, that's true. That's true. So, Deborah, it was just a pleasure to have you here today. I'm a pleasure and an honor for me, especially for my husband. And uh, I don't know how to say thank you, but I bet the Lord is going to show you gratitude. <laughs> so, um, so I hope to see you soon again, and I hope to meet you in person. I know you're going back to Italy soon, so I hope we can travel to Italy maybe next year when things are getting a little better, and maybe see you. We, are, we live in the same area. We come from the same area. We live very close, you know, like 20, 25 minutes from you, Mirano. So I hope it's going to be possible. In cielo, se non prima. We'll see each other in heaven, if se not non before. Prima, si. <laughs> if not before. I hope to see you sooner than that. But anyways, it's a great hope that we have. God bless you guys. And thank you so much, Deborah Brown, for being here today. Stay uncensored, okay, with your faith. God bless. Have a good day.